Welcome to Pilot Boys episode 113. Today we talk about the very quick departure of Urban Meyer from the Jacksonville Jaguars along with the prime time recruiting of Deion Sanders at Jackson State. And uh, in our deep dive, we are going to talk a little bit more about some of the leadership pitfalls of being very, very technically minded and, uh, you know, expand a little bit on what we talked about with Zach uh, relating to Urban Meyer and, and how that relates to all of us. Uh, so stay tuned. This is a fun one. It's a reflective one for the holidays. Uh, let's get this thing. Let's go. Welcome to the Pilot Boys Podcast, where you'll get the real on all things sports, music, and pop culture. And here are your hosts, Vishwant and Partha. The holidays are upon us. It's the calm before the college football storm. Uh, but we've still got some things to talk about with uh, with Coach Zach Smith, always entertaining news items and entertaining things going on in the world of college sports, um, specifically college football. Uh, COVID is raining terror on the sports world again. We'll see if it has any impact on these bowl games and matchups um, that we'll be seeing here, hopefully at the end of the month. Hopefully everyone stays safe and we're able to to execute these games um but that's not that's not the the first topic we'll talk about because i'm sure most of you are sick of hearing about covid and its effect on the things that you love um let's (laughs) (laughs) hopefully you're sick of uh you know constantly finding coal in your stockings Well, let's start with the topic we started with last week. We didn't know when we recorded the last show that um, our friend Urban Meyer would be fired midseason. Pretty crazy fall from grace for someone who set a standard of excellence for so much of his life to have it all just crumble like this suddenly. what are your guys' takeaways from the in-season firing? Do you think it was warranted? Um, and after that, I want to get into kind of a deeper conversation about what makes guys like Urban Meyer successful um, at the at the college level, but have so many difficulties at the NFL level. For sure. I mean, I, I think ultimately it, it was a, a combination of two things, right? One is Urban Meyer's program, his way of life really i mean his personality as a coach his motivation tactics like they're all designed at taking a young an 18 year old kid and developing them into a 22 year old man right that's what it's all based on these kids come in they're naive they don't know they don't know shit from shiola right they don't know anything and so that kind of innocence and naiveness gives urban an opportunity to kind of impose his will on a team and and really try to break you know f- create adversity for kids and make them push through adversity and grow and toughen up and and, and that creates a sense of uh, appreciation for Urban as they mature as players as people he's able to push their buttons differently than he can with a 26 year old married you know professional with two kids I mean it's just a completely different dynamic and I think we talk I've talked about it on several shows I know we talked about it going in that for him to be successful, he was going to have to change how his approach to things. And obviously he didn't. 
I think that's one side of it. So it failed miserably. Yeah. Um, like I was worried it might. And the other side of it is the media had an absolute witch hunt to make it look like a disaster. Going back to like he he let Tim Tebow, who is a capable athlete, come in and try out. Okay, probably like dumb, took an opportunity for someone, but certainly not didn't warrant. I mean, weeks on weeks of media coverage just scrutinizing him. It's just he's such a villain. He's he's been villainized or vilified in the media, and, and he's <laughs> the media just can't stand his ass. No, no, they can't, man. And that's been the narrative since day one. It's funny because it's like V and I talk about this a lot, uh, just about life. But it's like the things that we say are going to happen almost always happen. <laughs> right. We say it over and over and over and over and over. Right. And it's like that's. I think at some point when you're in the media, you have to look around and be like, "Huh, am I causing just a whole bunch of chaos and screwing up the sport that I love to talk about just because I need this?" You know. Twitter likes and retweets and clout, you know, I think I think we're at that point where the media, I mean, obviously, Urban still has his own mistakes, but I think we're at a point where the media influenced this pretty, pretty significantly. Um, and I wonder if they weren't involved, if this wasn't such a national headline, would they have been able to create some change? Would Urban, would, would he have had the space to get the growth that we were asking for last episode? Yeah, I think I think there it's true. You know, media, you know, I'm not going to be the person that's not going to cast blame on the media, but I think this is a exposes kind of a failure from Urban Meyer's perspective. I think he's very disconnected from reality and it showed many times. Like there are things that adjustments that he could have made that would have said, "Okay, I understand that I'm coming into a new situation. I've never been a pro coach." decisions like the Tim Tebow thing just underlines what it's going to draw criticism, right? This is your first time doing something. People already have doubts about you. That shows kind of a little bit of an arrogance to say, okay, I'm still going to do this because the guy had a very low, low odds of making the team. This is your first time. And right out the gate, you know, the media is going to be all over you. It's almost like, how do you not know that? How do you not sense that <laughs> yeah. or be aware of that at all? You know what I mean? And it well, seems he, like he lacks a lot of awareness. Oh, he, he completely lacks awareness. He, I mean, he's, I don't, I don't know if narcissistic is the right word because it's, it, 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 I don't think it's a disorder, but he certainly lives in, in a different world than we live in. I mean, when I, I tell the story all the time, <clears throat> I was, I, we had a quick a lunch break or something at work and I jumped in my car, ran to the gas station. Um, to go get whatever something to drink or I don't remember and on my way back he was going for a walk on campus and this man walked across Olentangy River Road for those of you that have been to Columbus like it's a busy road right I mean it's like four lanes like median the whole deal he's walking across Olentangy River Road green light traffic just oblivious that there's cars like he has headphones in and he just walks across the street cars are like slamming on their brakes like veering off the road not to hit him because those cars don't live in urban myers world he lives yeah. in urban myers world and not many people live there yeah. it's just he just does and so he he brings in tim tebow like why do that your second year right yeah don't do yeah. that right away then he hires this chris doyle from iowa who had the racist allegations like are you dumb like did you google him yeah. Like, I don't, I don't care if it's not true. I don't care if he wasn't racist. I don't care if he's the best in the world. Like have some general, general awareness, right? Like you just got hired. People want you to fail. Let's not make any headline mistakes before you even play a game. And the he counter, made like five. 
yeah and the counter is if you're gonna if you're gonna break the rules you have to have the results too if this is a season nobody would have an issue here right yeah that's a fact yeah and just the, the also the lack of awareness of of the fact that you, there is a difference you know he's a guy that i i've studied and i actually have a lot of respect for like you said in that 18 to 22 year old world understanding the psychology and i do think honestly that the ohio state program misses some of his kind of some aspects of his personality right the mental toughness in, in in developing people that want to prove something. I think he's very good at that, but I think he must have not reviewed or dusted off his books on uh, the psychology of 21 and above. <laughs> oh, I mean, yeah. So there, there's, there's something to this that I think, you know, is not general knowledge is like urban Meyer pre- preaches a lot of phenomenal stuff. If you read his books, yeah. E plus R equals O and all these the leadership books and all, all the stuff he teaches, and even in staff meetings, he teaches unbelievable le- leadership models. Like, and they're they're truly like you you walk out of them and your your gears are turning. You're like, wow! Like, I feel like I could be the CEO of Apple right now. Like, I, yeah. I get it. Like, I know wow. how to motivate people. That that's one side of the reality. The other side is he doesn't follow one fucking thing of it. <laughs> he, doesn't, <laughs> he doesn't he doesn't live it at all. Yeah. Like he talks about, you know, E plus R equals O. Right? There's an event. Your only thing you control is your response and your response dictates the outcome. And the whole point is you have to be intentional with your response, like p- press pause, like get your mind right and, and be intentional with what your response mm-hmm. to any event is. That son of a bitch has never pressed pause, taken a deep breath or been intentional when he reacted to an event ever. Like yeah. he is the most reaction reactionary person alive. Um, and that's one side of it. And I have a question for you guys. So here's the question, right? So his model, his, his, program right his coaching style was yeah. obviously unbelievably successful in college football i mean probably yeah. one of the the second best coach in our lifetime right yeah. you could say yeah. so the question is this would, would he be successful now in college football with the transfer portal nil like does do you think he i do you think he could be successful today in college football um i don't think so and I think part of part of what this is is the changing changing landscape of society too, yeah. right? Like the the thing that he was able to do at Ohio State with these kids is, and we know this, a lot of them couldn't stand him, but yeah. once they left, they appreciated what he did for them to help them get to where they're at. If you now putting yeah. kids in a situation where if they don't like what he has to say or he 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 drives them too hard they're just gonna bounce you know what i mean mm-hmm. versus yeah. that ability to keep kids there and say okay he's an asshole but i gotta be here and deal with this asshole for three years yeah like like i have no other choice right yeah exactly exactly and 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 you made a great point zach about and we talk about this all the time being textbook smart and then being real life and having social intelligence. And I think urban lacks social intelligence um, is, is very lacking in that. Um, But from a textbook and being able to teach, it's like a professor at school. Sometimes they're really good at teaching other people what they need to learn, but they can't teach themselves how to live, you know, and they have weird personal lives, all kinds of weird stuff going on. And I think this is a, a, a case of that and i don't think 
he be successful. And I don't think that's why I think he won't take another job because I do think he's probably aware of that. He said that in his interview, he's like, you know, it's a changing, changing landscape in college football with the transfer rules and everything that are going on. Maybe he has the awareness after this situation to say, Hey, maybe this isn't for me. Maybe I need to go back to Fox sports. But as you said, Zach, his ego is in a year or two, he's going to be coaching somewhere is my guess. I don't know where your thoughts are, Pertha. Well, it's interesting because you guys have, I think you guys have a lot more personal intimacy to the situation than I have. So it's hard, it's hard for me to evaluate kind of how he would react in different scenarios. Cause I, I think I'm more the observer here. I have more the fandom view from his tenure at Ohio state. Yeah. But, uh, what I will say is that it's, it's always interesting to see folks who have a technical proficiency um, that is is super significant and the struggles that they have to fit into and interact with others in society. And I think that that starts at a very young age. It starts in elementary, middle, high school, and you those individuals tend to kind of veer off the path. And I think what we're seeing right now not just in urban, but I think urban is a good example for that entire generation. We're seeing a whole bunch of people who found success by being ego-driven in a society that no longer values that. And mm-hmm. I think he's one notable example of a trend that's happening across America. Yeah, there's no doubt. And I think I think what college football is now and what the NFL kind of has always been the NFL set the pace, right? In college football, especially now after they're professionalizing college football, it's certainly going to going to go down that that trend. Is it's all about making them successful, right? That, that's and and it's never not been. But Urban had this disciplinarian, you know, uh, I know like, that's for you. Yeah, yeah, dictator dictator yeah. persona. But it's it, it's really trending towards all right. Can you make them better? Can you like are are you an elite coach? Like as a receiver coach, are you the best in the country? Like do do they walk into your meeting room feeling like man, this guy's going to make me a pro? Like he's going to make me a first round draft pick? If they feel that way, they'll go really hard. They'll respond to everything. You can build trust. But if they think you're a slap dick, they're not going to they're not going to listen to you, and they're going to be yeah. in the portal in a minute. Um. So I think that the age of like you know whips and chains and tires and wrestling and you know making them tough and motherfucking kids is like that, that that's gone now i mean it, that, that used to be the way it was for woody hayes and then all the way i mean even more recent than that than that i think now it's it's more it's more like a business right they're going to show up and they want to feel like you're making them better you're enhancing their game you know you you're going to help them be successful and if you if they do feel that way then you're going to have buy-in and if they don't feel that way you're going to have no buy-in yeah and i think also you know, Zach, you were aware of this in recruiting. Part of the reason that you guys were so successful in recruiting is sometimes Urban didn't tell these kids, he didn't kiss their asses all the time, right? Oh, yeah. He would tell them, like, look, if you really think you're the best, then you're going to come and prove it at my program. And I also feel like we're seeing that change culturally, too, in recruiting as well, where you've got to kiss these. Even we saw it earlier in basketball and football. It's like, it's who kisses the most ass and yeah. and does and, and writes the biggest nil check to get these kids now that's a completely different type of approach uh than yeah. than what he's used to and yeah. it's also it's also going to be in, look entirely different in two years as this nil and everything morphs into whatever the next phase of it is i mean 
I, I don't even can't even predict. I have ideas of what it could become, but it's yeah. going to be wild. Yeah. Uh, I also think that this is the start of a lot of the top prospects not making the NFL because of the distractions from NIL. I, I do think that it's likely we see parity in um, the draft process in terms of who's actually making it. It's going to be probably a lot of the the guys you don't expect to have long lasting careers. I, I think it always kind of has been, you know, the, the standout star was never like it's rare for them to find success at, at a higher level. That's that's what the Patriots have built their their success off of. Right. Yeah. And I think uh, that's the model across America. Like even <laughs> even in in our company, like that's the model. It's find the underdogs. Yeah. Find hard workers who keep their head low, who don't need extra attention, who don't need to, you know, tell everyone in the world, hey, you need to look at me, who just want to get better at a craft for the sake of the craft. That's it. That's it. Terry McLaurin. I mean, you're, you're everything you described is Terry McLaurin, right? As a guy that, that he, he wasn't wasn't a superstar, wasn't about the notoriety. He just put his head down and fucking grinded. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think that that's the advantage of this next era of all sports, football, basketball, whatever, but especially because of NIL, it's it's going to be very rare to find young people with that temperament because in today's society, it's just not, it's not encouraged. It's not incentivized financially. It's not, uh, V, that's funny. You got to, your your cat is right on yeah. the air. <laughs> Super distracting, but I love it. Uh, yeah, I mean, anyway, it's just not, it's not encouraged for, you know, young athletes to not stand out and to not post on social media every five seconds. And, you know, you, I, I think we can all agree, like, when you're at a critical age for your body's development, for your mental development, for your psychological development, it's nice to not have to worry about what other people think about you. There's no doubt. And you, I mean, you, you get, if you really get deep, deep into the issue, like I have an 11 year old son and like all this TikTok dancing and every, everything is about likes and look at me. Here's, here's a new dance. Watch me dance. And now like my video and follow me because I'm a good dancer. It's like, it, it's, it's just going to get worse and worse and worse. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And you guys saw there's an Ohio State basketball player that uh, I can't remember his name. I think it's it's uh, like a I thought it was CJ, too, but I don't want to say CJ because it's Stroud. But um, it's this guy who's on the Ohio State basketball team and they're just doing all these dances in the locker room. And oh, yeah. you know, I, good for him, you know, building some fan base, building some attention. But you got to deliver if you're going to pull that type of attention away. <laughs> Otherwise, you're gonna you're gonna flame out, and it's not gonna be pretty. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think that that's. I think this conversation went many directions because it should. Because I do think we see a clear example here of someone who was extraordinarily successful falling victim to the changes in society. You know, um, and his methodology no longer being relevant and no longer working. It's like the game and the sport has passed him by right and either you accept it or you know you make changes but you know the larger question is is this good or bad to kind of have the cult some of these cultural changes and i think it's a mixed bag i think that's what we're we're getting to here and Um, to your point v here's here's the upside of the changes is that you get Deion sanders getting the number one player in america at jackson state you get the, the type of coaching, the type of support that I think we all can agree that athletes deserve is winning, you know, mm-hmm. and it's not it's not the verbal abuse. It's not the mind games. It's not any of the bullshit. It's actual good coaching. 
Yeah. Well, and I'm going to tell you, I, I felt, I felt this way with urban the, the, the entire time I worked for him, not at Florida so much. I was a young coach and it was also a different era, you know, as, as different as it can be. Right. It was only four, four years apart, really. Um, I mean, two, two on paper, but, um, he, I always felt like he was inefficient in his coaching style and I know it worked and who am I to, to like throw shade at one of the greatest coaches ever, but ha- working with him so intimately, I never was like that with my players. Don't get me wrong. I would motherfuck a player up and down for one of two reasons. One, if they were disrespectful two if they didn't give effort or if they fumbled the football, that was about it. Outside of that, it was all me and my group or me and a player like collectively working together on his game and how he could get better. Right. And urban always felt like you needed to be like ridiculously hard on players. And I, I, I disagreed with it entirely because I think there's a time and a place for it, but he did it 24 seven. If a kid dropped the ball, it was like, fucking get him out now. Like, it's like, no, 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 let's just get with the kid and be like, all right, why'd you drop it? Let's fix it. Right. He, he had to overreact, and that's part of what made him so successful, but I also think it's part of the reason why Draymond Jones goes to the, the, the NFL and just fucking can't – just loathes Urban Meyer, can't stand him, like, and publicly will say negative things about him, right? There, there's a reason why players didn't like playing for him, and yeah. the same players that don't like playing for him, um, you know, they're, 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 they, have, they seem to have a great relationship when they're around him, right? It's like, it's almost like, I don't want to, it's almost like 50 shades of gray, like submissive shit. Like they can't stand him. They'll talk shit about him. And when they get around him, they're like, like back in their like role of like, yes, sir. Like, yeah. that's my guy. Of course I love him. A couple, a couple of guys have told me that they can't stand him, but they appreciated um, the fact that he motivated them that way. And I think there are people who respond to motivation like that. Right. And it's like, okay, I'm going, I'm going to shut him up. You know, but that's not everyone, and that's not really the trend of, of how we think healthy feedback or how society views healthy feedback. You know, right. I got my ass whooped when I was a kid. It's past the statute of limitations, so I can say it. But <laughs> <laughs> it, it 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 did shape me in a way that I think, in in many ways, now I look back as positive, right? Versus, yeah. you know, I do think there are aspects of of discipline that are that can be beneficial. Um, but it's, it's all always, isn't, about. isn't that just mindset though? Yeah. But you know, like, it's like, okay, I got fired and like, my name was drugged through the mud. Like it just probably one of the worst situations outside of someone dying or me dying that, that you could go through. And with yeah. a proper mindset, I can look at that and say, man, that was awesome for me and where I am today. But like, in reality, like it wasn't awesome. Like it was awful. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. But you, you can find the positives and try to learn from it and take it and spin it into an advantage. Just like that. And that's what that's what I feel like players have to do with Urban. They have yeah. to look at how he coached them and have the proper mindset to realize the benefits out of it. When re- in reality, it's like, yeah, but it didn't have to be that awful for the same result. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know, I, I used to um I used to work with somebody some time back that had similar characteristics. It was his own inability to express the vision that he, which was, you know, very similar to the situation, right? Understood where they wanted things to go, understood how things had to work, but had no ability to elevate the individuals needed to play in each role to express that vision. And you need both. You ultimately need both. Yep. 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 Get into a couple more, couple more topics before we leave. Uh, it seems like the 
favorite thing for coaches to do these days is uh is take shots at at ryan day by calling him the the kid who was born on third base uh mike gundy uh i I was a little surprised by this commentary because initially i thought he was keeping it above board like look it was just business they made a better offer but now it seems like he's butthurt about this situation and he's he's taking shots at ryan day yet he does the same thing at his program if who how does he think he's going to replace his defensive coordinator he's going to take someone from another program right you is know? that the best part <laughs> yeah. like, what are we talking about <laughs> it's just an easy it's an easy target right now because we had that that dropped uh that we dropped that game at the end of the year you know what i mean like everyone wants to pile on ryan day and hopefully that gives him the ammo to, to come out next year and just obliterate the rest of the college football competition yeah i'm seeing this i mean i look at that as an extension of of what we've been saying earlier right like Deion sanders getting the number one recruit and getting him to flip from florida state it's like do a better job instead of worrying i think a lot of this comes to i think there's a lot of animosity and jealousy tour programs like alabama ohio state clemson in terms of why they're winning recruits why they're getting the best coaches to come there and it's like this passive aggressive bullshit like instead of just owning it and saying you know what i'm going to replace him and we're going to the program's going to go on it's almost like they lean into and you see Dabo doing this at clemson too like crying and complaining about the new transfer portal rules but it's like that's the name of the game adjust or die like this isn't that's why you get paid millions of dollars mike gundy's not hurting for money he's the ceo of oklahoma state they have unlimited funding why are you why are these guys crying so much all the time right and it's like nobody wants to hear that right it's kind of like when cj straub was talking about his shoulder was hurt or he had the flu it's like shut up like you are you are in a pr- like prime time position as the head coach at Oklahoma State or the head like head coach at Michigan. Like you you got to attack this shit like a like a grown man, right? You, like what are we talking about? Complain? Th- what does that mean? Woke up on third base? Yeah. Like did, Jim Harbaugh didn't wake up on third base? Like he was really <laughs> talented and played in the NFL, and so he was he just given got all handed these a coaching job with no experience. Talking about yeah. he woke up on third base more than Ryan Day did. Ryan Day played quarterback in fucking New Hampshire and had to grind his way through an industry to become the head coach at Ohio State. Jim Harbaugh woke his ass up on third base, if we're being honest. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's a funny time because there's so much entitlement, especially in sports, right? And and college football this year has been such a mess with all the coaching changes. Oh and I speaks exactly the same thing we were talking about, is this ego-driven personality and like, the thing that we know about ego-driven personalities is if they take an L, they're very upset about it, and you know they spray that everywhere. And uh, honestly, shout out to Ron Day for the way he's handling all of this, which is not right. shit. Right, just shut your mouth and and prove it on the field, right? Yeah, but Mike Gundy, but Mike Gundy's always been a kind of a little bitch, you know. <laughs> like he, he in his interviews, like I'm a man, I'm 40, and all this shit. It's like shut up. Yeah. Like if you don't like the guy that wrote the article about your quarterback. Don't tell your SID. Don't let him come to the press conferences anymore. Take his credentials. Like, like, why are we in the media spouting shit sure. off? Don't him and Dabo remind me of each other quite a bit. Right. <laughs> it's like, it's like the redneck and the white trash version of each other. Right. They're yeah. they're, they're similar but a little different. Right. One of them's white trash. One of them's a redneck. They're not the same but very yeah. similar. I'm not gonna tell you which is which. That's that's for the listener. Yeah, that's that's up to your discretion. It's like I, I don't know if you guys have ever been. 
but I went to Pigeon Forge, Tennessee. Have you ever been there? Uh-uh. I have not been to Pigeon. I've been to rural Tennessee. Before, so have, but- have you been to Myrtle Beach? Yeah. Uh, I have not. Okay. So what, what I took away from it, they're the same city, yeah. right? Uh, but the one in Tennessee is redneck and Myrtle Beach is white trash. That's, is, and it, it's, but everything else is the same. It's just yeah. the most touristy spot ever. And it's true. Like you will look around, you're like in Tennessee, you're like, man, there's a bunch of rednecks here. Yeah. You After I watched Myrtle East- Beach, looks like a similar crowd, not rednecks. They're white trash. After I watched Eastbound and Down the season they were in Myrtle Beach, I was like, I'm not going here. <laughs> right. I'll never go there. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, 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 man. So signing day, early signing day happened. Um, Texas A&M out of nowhere seems to have completely crushed it. Uh, Alabama's saying we did pretty well. What are your thoughts? And does this still mean anything with free agency now? Um, I don't, I, it, I guess it kind of means something, right? Because if those kids get on the field and start making money, they'll be there. Right. Yeah. But if they don't, get on the field immediately. I mean, Ohio State just lost a D tackle into the portal. I mean, if you don't play early your first year and and you don't have a a big picture vision of getting on the field that second year, I mean, you're, you're leaving. So um, I I really, I talked about it on my show. I think one, I think what you said is absolutely accurate. Texas A&M is making a push right now. I mean, they're going to sign seven, five-star players in this class, which is absurd. Um, And, you know, talent ultimately is what, what wins. So uh, watch out for them in a year or two. Um, that's first and foremost, but the, to, to get to your second point, I think that the portal is the most critical aspect of recruiting now because yeah. what you get out of the portal, it's almost like back in back in the old days, like a year ago, right? If that's considered the old days. <laughs> Where you get a kid out of the portal, that kid's kind of stuck with you because he used his one-time transfer, right? And so now you can coach him a little harder. Like he, he If he's going to transfer again, he has to sit out a year, right? So I think the portal is, I mean, I think Ohio State intentionally signed 18 kids because they wanted to hold five, six spots for transfer portal guys. And I think that's a real thing. Like what percentage of your class is going to be portal kids? And, yeah. and I think Ohio State right now is looking at it maybe about 25%. And uh, obviously A&M is signing high school kids more so. So I think everyone's going to have a different uh, method in how they attack it. A lot of, a lot of it's going to be based on their roster. Like what positions, what are the positions of need? Do they need someone that could come in and start right away because they're down or whatever. But I, I think you're going to see a, a, You have already seen and We are already seeing a shift in how recruiting is attacked nationally. Yeah. And even from a getting to the NFL standpoint, I think, you know, that's, that's a good part of this for the players is that they have the opportunity if they're not going to see field time to go somewhere else and show it. And, you know, in the NFL, we're seeing uh, like Josh Allen, who played at Wyoming, right? Like that was that was an unexpected pick. And all of a sudden, he's, you know, one of the one of the better quarterbacks in the league, one of the more exciting ones to watch. And that happens quick. And you don't need to be at a, a blue blood program to get in that situation. Oftentimes, it's a worse outcome if you're going from a blue blood program because the expectations are so high on you versus being that kind of, you know, underdog kind of pick so i think from a player's perspective if you're going to a big program and you're not starting you're not getting the nil and you have a lower chance of going pro so you know i think it makes sense what we're seeing yeah and i think the reality is josh allen would have been would have played at usc if if he was a sophomore in college right now right he would have blown up had had a great you know year or two and then he would have jumped his ass in the portal and tried to go somewhere huge yeah i think that's I think it's really going to kill the the smaller schools because those kids are going to go to 
wherever and and but you know they go to maybe not toledo but they go to memphis and just i mean stud running back right um and then after a year they're like all right now now i'm gonna go to lsu <laughs> and, yeah. and show you i can do it on that stage and they're out gone yeah so i think i kind of mentioned in my show this is full on like tinfoil hat but i really think that in five years the power five schools are the professional league and the group of five schools are the minor leagues like i really think the kids are going the other way then yeah i i, I think kids I mean, this is very, I don't actually think this is going to happen, but I could see it happening, I guess. I could see Ohio State basically getting their slush fund booster money all set up and they start signing kids with NIL deals and placing them at Bowling Green, Toledo, Akron, Kent, and Ohio. And then <laughs> then in two years, taking the best 25 kids out of all those schools. like. I mean that's not that's not a bad play. Hey, you got to you got to pay yeah. chess, man. There's the adjustment. Where's Gene at? Can we send this episode to him? Yeah, you should. <laughs> send it to Doug Archie's bitch ass. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, we will. Uh, we'll see. It's it is a brand new era. It's a good take. I, I, I'd be interested in seeing kind of what happens, but I do think with everything. Like when rules change and things change, adjustments happen. Mm-hmm. And we're going to see potentially the rise of new schools who understand these rules, you know, gives an opportunity to, to, to maybe shift again away from kind of the dynamic we've seen over the last 10 years where we have three or four dominant programs, you know. Um, but we'll see. I mean, it can all work out or it could all go terribly bad so <laughs> as a fact we will we'll see how this all plays out um with that I, I don't think we have much else to talk about we'll we'll be able to talk about the bowl games next week um so <laughs> just wanted to to wish all of uh your family and everyone that's close to you happy holidays zach and uh, same to you guys we'll chat with you next week sounds good fellas i appreciate it show the pilot boys some love by getting some of our exclusive merch at shop.pilotboys.com. You're listening to the Pilot Boys Podcast. Hey, this is Partha. Not only am I a pilot boy, but I'm also the CEO of Lasso. I started Lasso to help people improve their movement on a daily basis. We design and create compression apparel that enables you to move confidently, recover safely, and ultimately be the best version of yourself. We use a patented compression technology that activates key ligaments and tendons to help you improve your proprioception, coordination, and balance on a daily basis. Lasso socks were recently ranked number one by Men's Health because of how much they improve how your body works and the overall comfort, softness, and feel of the product. We're very proud of the Lasso socks, so check them out on our website at lassogear.com or at lassogear. Undo Media is proud to be the production partner for the Pilot Boys. Storytelling is what they do. From video production, podcasting, and consulting, Undo Media's focus is on telling your story. Find out why four Emmys and hundreds of clients will back up why you should contact Undo Media for your next project. Look them up at undomedia.com. All right, Partha. We just finished a very intriguing and interesting uh, college football conversation where much of the time was focused um, not so much on Urban Meyer, the individual, but uh, what his firing says about where we're at in society, um, using him as kind of an example, a case study, more so than uh, trying to just 
continue to pour gas on the fire that they've already lit under his name. And I think what it does is it it opened up a wider conversation that I think we can we can dive deeper into. Yeah, I think so. I think one of the things that stood out about that whole situation for for both of us is that um, we relate to an extent in terms of being very technically minded folks and now having to, as an adult, navigate the challenges of leadership. And one of the things you start to find is that when you are naturally inclined at certain things, um, you get frustrated with folks who are not. And a big part of leadership, and I think, you know, Urban, we could talk about the mind games he's known for. We could talk about the attitude, the personality, whatever. But I think it kind of breaks down into two parts, which is first, you have to have personal mastery. And second, you have to have empathy and love toward others to facilitate their journeys as well. And that second part is not something he demonstrated in, in this circumstance or, you know, anecdotally through much of his career. No, he hasn't. And we, we talked, we touched on it, right? He's a very, very smart man. His degree is actually in psychology. So he understands how human beings work. Um, but like you said, and what Zach said is it's fascinating. So many of these people, and we find it in teachers, we find it in coaches, we find it in a lot of people who know how to distribute knowledge, but don't know how to absorb what they're teaching and then put it into their own lives, right? Um, and it seems like what Zach was saying is that for a long time or most of his career, Urban was able to be an excellent college football coach outside of Nick Saban, his results speak for themselves. The second most successful college coach kind of in the last 20 to 25 years. But what happened is that he went to another level, right? And the difference between understanding how an 18 to 22 year old mind works versus a 22 year old mind works, 22 plus mind works and i think it highlights the difference between those two groups and then urban's lack of understanding that what works for one group of people may not work for another group it's like you can't everybody doesn't learn the same way everybody doesn't respond to motivation the same types of motivation and i think this is where you said being personally aware for a long time i really thought that urban was a coach who understood that the pros aren't where he should be, right? Yeah. But for whatever reason, he took this challenge and it was like he was set up to fail because he didn't do the personal work to understand the audience that he was speaking to. Instead, he was just trying to run through a brick wall of ego of what I've done has worked. Look at my results and it's always going to work. And I think that's also what happens with successful people sometimes if it's worked one way in one situation and work for a while, it doesn't mean that it's always going to work in every situation. And I think that's, that's one of the lessons here um, that I think everybody can take away from just because you're good at something or even great. Like urban was, doesn't mean that you don't, you have to stop doing the personal work to get better. It's a, it's a very powerful and profound point too. It's a, it's an attachment to the past, right? And like many of us, many of us notice, this with past events that are are traumatic or negative but Mm -hmm. we don't often talk about the impact of the the positive events in the past 
in how they may bias us to not do an adequate job mm-hmm. asking ourselves the important questions yeah. and challenging our own notions and and retaining a sense of humility and i think ultimately like you know we we talk about a lot of things and i think the one thing that that you won't be if you're you know a happy balanced person is you probably won't be influencer famous you probably won't be yeah you know getting a lot of the benefits of web 3.0 and the culture that's building around it you probably won't get a lot of the you know clarity um of the social media landscape nor the dopamine validation of people liking your shit all the time but you will have the power to live responsibly and live your purpose and I think in today's society, this is this is the thing is that in, especially in football, football is an easy culture to pick on yeah. uh, it's just because of the nature of it. But it's so much about what has this person done in the past? How many championships do you have in sports culture in general? It's all about rings, championships, wins, wins, wins. And that's great. But if you think that you are responsible for that, you forget the fact that especially as a coach, you know, in this, in this particular story, did you play a single snap? No. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. What, what are you responsible for? And when you start to understand that really like in that leadership role, the only thing that you were responsible for was helping everybody orient their minds in a way that facilitated victory, as well as like create a a program for people to follow who might need a program to follow then you start to realize maybe your role isn't that important and maybe it's just about facilitating greatness out of others to get the W. And that it's not going to get you on Fox to commentate, but it's going to get you, uh, you know, a few more championships like Belichick. Yeah, and you brought up Belichick. I think he's a, he's a great example of staying present. If you look at his history as a coach, he's had ups and downs. He's won, he's lost he's been criticized but if you look at how he moves he's always moves forward and handles the present situation and talks about the present situation you won't find him in interviews reflecting on on tom brady in the past he's focused on who the quarterback is today you know and what he needs to do to get the most out of out of that and i think also what you know with successful people sometimes um it takes a lot to be able to understand that sometimes it's you. You are the problem, right? And I think in this scenario, Urban never took true accountability because, again, as you said, he's so in his head because he's done it well, the world owes him owes him that. And, be, and he can never be wrong mm-hmm. as a result of that, right? And it's not him, it's everybody else. Um, and then that's that's the dangers of success. And they say this all the time when in both business and in sports, right? The game has passed them by. Why does that happen? That happens because they don't stay in tune and they let their their past success become a part of their ego and their ego then drives each situation moving forward. Um, and that's you know, that can be success or failure. Great example of this is, you know, we, we talk about this in present day about Steve Jobs. There was a period of time that Steve Jobs was terrible for the brand of Apple and the company. He had to lose that, reflect, 
get better. So in his second stint, he was focused more on what he was good at, probably was more aware of what he wasn't good at and and focused on what he was good at, right? And that's why you saw in the second go around much more success from Steve Jobs as a leader of that company. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the other thing you see is um, you see a narrative of a guy who ha- was fulfilling his purpose to society in building Apple, but essentially delayed the true success of the company because of his own, you know, his own ego. Yes. Every yes. problem he faced was essentially self-created. And, you know, markets grow in things, but the, the level of success and influence he was meant to have was achieved near the end yep. of his lifetime. And honestly, posthumously, he is perceived the way he could have been while he was alive. Um, but he just never got to see that because he had so much ego in the way of his actions. And I think that that's, that's one side of the equation. Mm-hmm. What I see more often in life is I don't see a lot of egomaniacs. I see the opposite. I see people with extremely low confidence who are extremely sensitive to direct feedback, direct communication and, and take it very personally. And so with folks like that, you'll, you know, it's hard. It's hard to give appropriate feedback. It's hard to be direct with folks. And when you do give a direct and honest, uh, whether it's a criticism or critique, you'll often see folks overcompensate in their actions to try and prove something or to try and, you know, essentially still being anchored to the past, but to the negativity of the past and trying to overcome that or counter it out where, you know, the reality of the situation is that every moment is a fresh slate. There's no there's no accumulated things that you have to work off. Like I just I just don't see it that way. Every moment's an opportunity to make a new decision. If you stay present and balanced, you have the opportunity to make the right decision every time around. It's just we don't all think like that. We're so attached to everything that that is in our past. Yeah, that makes a lot of a lot of sense. And you know, I think also the interesting thing is how success can actually heighten insecurity versus reduce it, right? I think, you know, you and I talk about this a lot, and I think I've spoken about my position on medals, awards, degrees, titles, all of that. What that does is it takes someone, it actually can enhance the insecurity of people and prevent them from reaching their maximum output because what they end up doing is instead of seeking to create value, they're chasing, they're chasing signals of proof of that value, right? Like I don't display my degrees. I don't talk about them, but they were parts of my journey, right? And as opposed to letting them dictate my present, I use what I gain, but that's not what I lean into. And I find in, in companies that if somebody has like an MBA, they think that that enhances their insecurity and how they handle other people. It's like, because I have an MBA, I automatically know more than you. That's actually an insecurity, right? That's not a a sign of confidence or merit. And I find this with a lot of people, they let their past, their accomplishments dictate how they maneuver and how they feel the world should respond to them versus just looking at situations and saying, Hey, None of that matters. It's this current situation, this current moment that this person sitting across from me 
I have to figure out how to solve. And it doesn't matter that I'm, I went to Harvard and he went to a community college. At the end of the day, we're in the same room. So the problem needs to get solved. Yeah. Um, and I think that insecurity of success, how this system creates insecurity in people who are intelligent and successful is something that's always been very fascinating to me. Yeah, and it's a good point. It's why you can sit in a room with so many people who on paper should be, you know, incredible and they're they're honestly very weak mentally. Mm-hmm. And it's because they've been coddled, they've been told certain things through their whole upbringing that, you know, are genuinely not true. And you know, I agree with this this stance on awards. I actually like with this I just moved places uh, to our audience and I just threw away all of my old awards except for like two and i threw away every single award that i felt like was given to me uh with um without a pure intent and i think like there's a lot of awards in today's society like i heard this thing we should you should never accept a gift that comes with obligation because it's Mm -hmm. bad for the soul Mm -hmm. and that could be a friend saying, come stay with me this weekend. But you know you're going to have to spend every waking moment with that friend. They don't give you any space. And so, no, don't stay with that person. Pay for the hotel. That Every dollar was worth the mental space you'll get, right? Yeah. And it's like certain awards are given out to use your reputation to build someone else's brand or to build someone else's credibility. And I think that those awards suck. <laughs> yeah. And I threw away every single one of those. The only awards that I kept, I kept my patents and I kept uh, one from my high school that was just a genuine, hey, we're very proud of you and we're very, very happy that you continue to give back. And here's something. Yeah. And I think your your story is is a very good one because you also had to unpackage. I think for a lot of things, you just did things because you understood the value of them to society, right? Yeah. It wasn't because you cared so much about some of these accomplishments awards, but you knew that the society around you cared and that would elevate their perception of you. And I right. think at this phase, you're learning more and more. It's more about the internal valuation of myself, right? And and Drake mentioned this recently about not accepting any of his Grammy nominations, right? And he was saying, if you're an artist and you get caught up in that stuff, what he was saying was very powerful. It's like, it can lead to insecurity, right? And you you know what's so funny about that? I observed amongst my friends people's reactions about Drake not not like pulling out of every Grammy category, yeah. right? And it was funny that the only people who had a problem with it but and when I say had a problem with it, we're like, that's because you're scared he would lose, like would talk shit on him for doing yeah. that. Those people are the ones who are driven by how they're recognized. They're driven by their awards. They're driven by, you know, speaking opportunities. They're driven by all of these very measurable, you know, but totally bullshit measures of value in society that you're talking about. Yep. 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 And we and and part of this is it the thing that makes it so difficult is that it's not an easy process for anybody to go through because how society is structured is to limit people's belief in themselves. 
Mm. It is to fit, make people become a fit in society or within the ecosystem that's created. That's why we have all of these systems of class, of, of academic achievement. We have all of this to manipulate people's minds to fit categorically into an insecure mindset. Because if everybody in this country was walking around fully secure in themselves, then they couldn't be controlled. And that's a concept um, that you hear often, but the thing is it's, it's, it's a challenge to people, right? And that's why we always talk about the 1% to 3%. There's only one Bill Gates in this world, but the thing is because he at a very young age got into Harvard and realized, hey, this, this, is, this is a hustle almost, right? <laughs> me yeah. getting this Harvard degree is going to limit me from building what I want to build with my life. Everybody comes to that, whether you, people come to that realization at 50 too. J.K. Rowling is a great example of that, yeah. of understanding. It doesn't matter when you come to that understanding, but I feel like everybody reaches their maximum potential if they get to that understanding, right, yeah. of, of valuing your internal metrics. First, creating a, a sense of internal purpose and internal guidelines, but then filtering out all the noise. It's it's that's why there's so many mental health issues you know it's really hard yeah and you know this is holiday time so if you grew up in a family where this type of stuff is valued or just really in general i I would guess most of our listeners have changed their values pretty significantly from the values they were brought up with so i would guess like me you're feeling a little anxiety about spending extended time with your family yeah. because the values and the conversation just don't make sense. Like, you know, to your point on this V, like I think about uh, my my relationship with my mom where, you know, all I hear from her is this person did this, this person's won this award, this person's a doctor. Yeah. This person's, and I, I, I literally, my Our culture, is, I don't care. Why are you telling me any of this? None of it matters to me. And yeah. she's shocked when I say that, but it's honest because genuinely, I don't give a fuck what anybody does. Or what I want to hear is, oh, this is a great person. I really like spending time with them. And then if it's, if it's practical to me and like they're going to come here, you should have a coffee with them. That is interesting. But to know just this status update list of everybody's accomplishments is absolutely wasteful in terms of brain space it does nothing yeah and my my advice is this right you know i've gone through these same conversations arguments discussions because literally our culture's um is this right it's like a comparison of of accomplishments and such and such is doing this such and such has this the the awakening that i had is that Sometimes you cannot get frustrated with people who are not as far in the process as you are, right? Especially in situations where they've brings this conversation full circle by having that value system by society's standards, they've achieved success. So it's really hard for someone like that, someone like your mom, who is very accomplished in her own right, right? to then be able to say, hey, my entire value system and what I use to get to where I'm at, my son is challenging that. They have to process that in their own way. And sometimes people choose never to process it because it goes back to what 
you can achieve success in society without unlocking that part of it, at least success, success by society standards. But are you achieving personal growth? Are you achieving the things that matter beyond status and professional accomplishments? That's where the challenge comes in. And I think some people go a lifetime without ever doing that work. Yeah. Well said, V. And, you know, I think I think that's a beautiful button on this. Uh, if you didn't catch the allegory, that was the exact start of this podcast. Urban Meyer, man, like you just you just expressed the empathy we should all have for him. It's a man who, you know, has been so caught up in a certain way. He was brought up a certain culture that encouraged him to value certain things that he missed on some of the things that really would have helped him adapt to a changing ecosystem and a changing world. And, you know, we all are subject to that in different ways. And it's important for us to make sure we stay open to new things. We constantly stay balanced in terms of how we view ourselves. We don't get too high. We don't get too low. And, you know, we do things for, for the right reason, for others, not for ourselves. Yep. Yep. And we hope all of our listeners have a, a happy holidays and enjoy their time with their, their loved ones. Remember to stay moving, stay active through the holidays. Sometimes it's easy to get lethargic and complacent. And in your conversations with your family, always be you and, and, and force, force change and acceptance. And on that note, Pilot Boys out. Pilot Boys, we get on Once we get on